Hello and welcome to The Kivi Community, a sonic space for empathy and kindfulness. I'm Ruby Illing and in this episode I'll be speaking to Paul Stepsack, who works for Compass, the UK's largest cooperative development agency, providing business support for social businesses and cooperatives. We'll be discussing the current project that Paul is working on, NERWED, which focuses on helping third sector organisations in Wales embrace digital technologies and explore new income streams such as online donation platforms. Hello Paul, welcome to the Gibby community. So let's start. Can you tell us a little bit about your career journey and what motivated you to be where you are now? Okay, first of all, I, I come from a what would be classed as a socially deprived area in uh, the heart of South Wales, South Wales Valleys. Uh, I was quite fortunate uh, to be able to go to university. One of only, I think, five from my class in school that went to university. But in doing so, I, I had an interest in business. wanted to be a business advisor, but soon found that I could use my business skills within uh, the third sector and support communities. So I was very fortunate for 10 years of my career working in the community I came from as community development officer, using a lot of those skills to support the charity to grow. From there, I worked for Oxfam Cymru, where I project managed a a project across Wales, helping socially deprived areas identify their strengths and implement an asset-based approach to community development. And following on from that, I became a self-employed consultant, helping private and public sector organisations engage with communities, which then led to an opportunity that came up with the Wales Cooperative Centre's Business Development Officer, which kind of mirrored everything I was doing, but it was a salaried role. And that is where I am. Uh, The company really recently changed its name to Compass. So we've been called Compass now for the last six months. Uh, And my latest title is bids and commercial consultant and in that i'm responsible for overseeing a number of the the tender writing and bid writing for the organization but delivering a number of projects within that especially with regards to either digital or community development wow that's a that's a really interesting career path i I feel like you've you've probably got a lot of human stories in there a lot of human stories, a lot of desperate stories is is sad, uh, to be honest with you. And it gives you that passion to keep going and to give you a bit of a fight, if you like, and, and makes, makes everything worthwhile. It's not everything that I do. I've got a background which helps me strive further forward. And so, yeah, it, it, it's a... It's been a testing path, but it's been an inv- a very enjoyable and rewarding path to go with it as well. Yeah, I- I'm sure. Um, one that has taught you a lot, and now you you really know how to to make an impact in the in the charities and organisations you're helping now. I try, <laughs> and that's and that's the mission, isn't it? Yeah. it? It's about as we go along, we continue to learn, and we use what we've learned to the best of our ability to to make lives better for the people around us going forward. So let's talk about what we got you on here for and tell us a little bit about the funding landscape for the Welsh third sector and how it's changed over time 
and how your project is aiming to help this change? So I've been involved in uh, fundraising in some sort of element now for about 20 years. And up until most recently, we've been quite fortunate in Wales because we there's been quite a lot of grant funding circling, circulating. And unfortunately, now it's nice to have all that opportunity with grants, but unfortunately, I believe from my personal experience, we've become a little bit grant dependent. And what that means is that even today, I can go to a group and basically say, how did you get the, the you know, how did you establish this? And it was through funding. And so what, what's the next step? And the next step, the answer is generally, we'll go and get more funding. But unfortunately, I don't think that funding is going to be there uh, going forward. Uh, we in Wales, we were receiving a lot of European funding. So and that trickled down and obviously now that's not going to be there so there's going to be other forms but i doubt it'll be in such quantities and so we are trying to get organizations to be more entrepreneurial uh with their sourcing of funding so they look at look for their sustainability through other sources rather than just base all their 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 eggs in one basket or in that funding basket of your life so is the welsh culture do they Oh, the third sector, do they do much fundraising or is it just relying on the government grants? In Wales, from personal experience, they use all formats of fundraising. Mm-hmm. Like, there's pockets I can't whitewash, but generally a lot of the third sector, especially the grassroots community groups, they are heavily reliant on grants and haven't yet considered that there are other opportunities out there, haven't even approached digital fundraising platforms, haven't even approached different ways of generating an income. So my personal story was that I was made redundant from one of my jobs and I had this community background and I'm not one of these people to sit there and wait for the next job. I needed to do something. So this is how I set up myself as a consultant The one thing I realised was that these big institutions such as governmental departments and housing associations need to integrate and consult with communities, but they don't have the relationships or the capacity to do so. So that's where I could step in. But that was me as an individual from personal experience of working in the community, one individual. So if I can do that, community groups can do that. Local community groups can go to your local housing association. They can go to your local governmental department and say, if you need to consult with communities, come to us and do it on a contractual basis where they get paid for it. It's clean money and they've earned it. And that's something that a strength and asset that they've got, which and what it comes down to is two things. One, they don't realize that that's a strength and that's a need that they could be fulfilling. And two is the confidence to be able to do it. So just sometimes needs a driver. And also I found that I could do exactly the same process with research documents for different charities and organizations. Now I've got the ability to be able to walk into any community and talk to people as do nearly every community group. This is what they're about. But I haven't got an academic research background. So I found a colleague who was a researcher and we did it together. He would do that element and, and I would do the part of 
going in there to communities and asking the questions, just grabbing people around a table with a cup of tea and, and, and getting those deep dive, really sound experiences and, and solid feedback from the community members. And that's all it takes, really, is, is people to stop and look at the strengths and the assets that they've already got. And every person and every community group has got assets, which a lot of these big institutions would pay a lot, you know, pay significant amounts of money for because they would have to send pay for a consultant, for example, to parachute into that community, which wouldn't have that trust, would have to get to know people, the way that those communities operate. But actually, these community groups have got that knowledge. They've got those connections on the ground already. They just need to put their hands up sometimes and say, we're here, we could do that for you. Uh, that, that's part of my mission at the moment is to introduce community groups to different methods of generated income aside from being grant dependent. They need to have mixed income streams in order to survive with the reduction of money and with the increasing uh, costs which are going on for every single charity at the moment. Something is going to break somewhere. So we can't be reliant on that grant funding. We need to find income streams from elsewhere, whether that be a digital fundraising platform, whether that be generated income from contractual purposes, like I said, as, as offers of pieces of work or selling products, etc. There, there can be multiple ways of generating income. I'm, I'm really interested in the research. So, so what kind of research have you done in the past with communities? When I was a consultant, one of the pieces of work were the NHS wanted to know how it could improve its services. So I basically was the person who arranged a venue, got lots of community members from all around the locality to be able to come together. And then I facilitated a discussion, which we used, I think it was a version, an early version, version of Mentimeter at the time to capture everyone's input, etc., which could then be passed back to the Welsh Government and the NHS. Another piece of work that I did for a charity was where myself and a researcher combined our efforts, whereas the researcher designed the process and the question set, and together we designed the workshop. I walked into that community, delivered the workshop, captured the data, he analysed it, he put it into a report and presented it to the client, and together we decided on how we would split that money between us. But there's nothing stopping a small community organization doing that with a researcher and they're not that out of reach if you think about it most of us have got a college or a university nearby whereas we could partner up with one of those people it's their skill set of how to structure and analyze questions that you need but you as a community will already have that skill of being able to go into those communities and talk to people and get real solid sound information back rather than someone providing provisionally incorrect answers just to impress someone who's been parachuted in. Yeah. So the, the the information coming from someone within that community, I always found is much more profound and much more real to use going forward. Yes, definitely. I, I would I would totally agree with that. Yeah. With a, uh, I've got a bit of a research background myself. Um, I wanted to go into research and I did find that really getting to know the community and, and getting a story from a community perspective um, and insiders 
is just way more authentic. Absolutely. And I think I do feel that once they identify you as someone who's from a community background, barriers come down straight away and they, they open up and they tell you a lot more. So I, I do find that if if I walked into a community in a suit, for example, as a researcher and start just started asking questions, barriers would come up. People would either be trying to impress me with the responses or they would just close up and, and wouldn't give me a, anything that of real value. But once they recognize that you're a community member, you can empathize with them, then people start to talk a lot more freely and you get that golden nuggets of information which you may not have got otherwise. Definitely. And and that's that's a perfect way for a charity and organization to get money in a different way that's other than government funding. Absolutely. And it's there. They've got the strengths, they've got the assets. It, it's there. So are there any other ways that um, charities can get income in different ways, such as, I guess, online? Absolutely. Before we go online, I'm thinking that there are other assets and strengths that people got within communities or those groups have got, whereas other people would be willing to pay for those attributes such as training how to set up a charity how to engage with more customers etc how to engage with the community you know you've got these big organizations where they may have an individual officer who's charged with community engagement but actually how do they do it on mass well the community groups have been doing this as they bread and butter for years so Look at what strengths and the things you do on a day-to-day basis, operationally even, you know, even things like bookkeeping and social media marketing, etc. These are things that you could potentially offer yourselves out as a product of your organization. So that's number one. To keep in with digital, I do think online donation platforms is an untapped resource in Wales generally. And when they are being used, I think they could be used more effectively. And this is one of the reasons why I connected with Gibby very early on. Is something that I think we are missing in, in Wales at the moment, partially because the fear of embracing digital for a lot of these organisations. Time is another thing. They're busy doing the doing. I'm one myself. When I was a community worker, I was running around from left to right, helping this person, doing that going there, seeing that. And I didn't have time to stop and go on social media, but that was a different world. And we are in a different world now. And especially with the pandemic, everything just turned up a notch, especially in Wales, I believe. I don't think many organisations are really, especially the small community groups, are embraced digital to any particular level, but the pandemic kind of turned that notch up a bit. So yes, when we are uh, engaging with digital platforms, I'm seeing it as it's like the old days with people first found websites. We'll have a website and we'll put it up there and everyone will come, but they won't. You need to advertise that website. And it's exactly the same with a donation platform. There's no point just having that donate button in the left-hand corner of your website. That needs to be marketed. So we don't market it. So people have that and it lies dormant and they wonder why there's no funds coming in. Well, that needs to be marketed. And to be able to market we also need to know about social media. So this is one of the other things that we're trying to do with NEWID as well, is look at all these different elements. So we need to be able to advertise that we've got a donation platform. We also need to think of the different ways that people can donate. 
So people get this, like I say, this tab at the bottom of the website, and I think that's it. Well, how about having individual fundraisers? How about sending Gary to run the marathon to run money for it? How about having buckets with QR codes on it? It's all those different things that we forget about. It's, it becomes that one identity, and we just hope people will take on it on our website. Well, number one, people have got to find our website, first of all. Number two, then they've got to decide if they're going to press that button. So we've already cut down the, the number of people that could potentially do that. So we need to understand that. I, I really do understand that people are completely time-starved at the moment, but this is a general way of, of getting another income stream into your organisation. And the other thing is the way that we phrase our our offer, if you like. I was talking with a homeless charity a couple of weeks ago, and they were saying, Paul, I can't get anyone to donate to our, our our cause. We've got a fundraising page. And I said, so what is your offer? And they said, give us money to help, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, I don't even know what I'm giving money to. I don't know what the cause is. So I said, put a value on it. If I give you five pound, what would that do? And that person said, well, Paul, that would, I would feed five homeless people in Cardiff on a Saturday night. I said, well, now we're talking. Now you've put a value on it. And in fact, I, want, I don't want to give you a fiver. I don't want to give you 10 pounds. I'll give you 20 pounds because I'll, I'll feed 20 homeless people in Cardiff on a Saturday night. And so we're not putting a value on the offer as well. This, there are too many... Um, uh, there are organisations out there where we don't know what percentage of that money is being spent on the actual cause and which ones are being spent on uh, infrastructure, if you like. And so this kind of cuts that out. This basically says, if you give me, for every pound you give, it will also, you know, it, it's, it, give, it goes straight into this cause. And there will be an element of, that percentage of that money needs to be paid for infrastructure, but I know that that one pound will feed one person, and that's all I'm interested, to be honest with you, whether that are 60 pence or 80 pence of that pound. And then further on from that, we only target our existing audiences. So from what I see from my colleagues and friends, which I've had this long chat with on this, is that they will put their ask they have fundraising ask on Facebook. Well, already you've already uh, cut out all the people that are not on Facebook. Then you're cutting out the people that like your page. Then you're cutting the people that were online at the time when you posted it. And suddenly you're not really posting that to that many people. So we need to know how that works, number one. But secondly, why don't we take that offer to other organizations which can give us the money, why don't we go on to LinkedIn and go to a corporate organization saying, do you know, for every pound we receive, we'll feed a homeless person in this city on a Saturday night. And you'll have these corporate organizations, hopefully they've got CSR goals, they've got community benefit goals, they've also got PR departments. You know, to spend something like a thousand pounds for them could be absolutely something on a click of a fingers, but that could make the difference to this charity. So let's not stop at taking our offer to our immediate Facebook friends, if you like. Let's take it to a wider audience and take it to completely different audiences as well. And I think that's where we kind of fall down. We we basically we sign up to the platform, we get the button and we leave it in the corner, but there's a lot more to do, work to do after that. 
I think a lot about what you're talking about is creating a personality or a face online. So basically, you need to be, or charities need to be conscious of how they appear online to other people. And it's, it might be, you know, quite daunting and completely foreign understanding of, oh, I'm going to have to appear like something on the internet. But I think what people don't understand is it can be really simple and you can just look at it from an outsider's perspective. So just click on your website, outsiders, okay, what is my first impression of this website? And it's just seeing it from a different perspective and just trying to step outside yourself and think, okay, how would I feel if I was a person willing to donate or, or visiting this LinkedIn profile, this this Facebook page, this this website? Absolutely. That's one of the things that we do help people with in Newid is well, advocate rather than help people. We advocate people start to use either what we call either avatars or personas. Absolutely. Red Foxes, I think, are based in London. They've already identified it, the uh, research company. They've already identified the fundraising for. So we've looked at that as well, which is fantastic. But there's nothing stopping an organisation looking at who they would identify as their persona, if you like, and then target using that target. We've got to remember that each of these social media platforms reach different audiences. Generally, our 30-year-olds plus are on Facebook. The next generation went on to Instagram and the next generation coming again, they're on TikTok. And TikTok, I'm finding by the day that is getting used more and more uh, for the third sector, especially in a fundraising capacity because whereas your Instagram and your Facebook and your Twitter will go to your existing connections due to the algorithms, TikTok just goes global via the subject matter. So basically, if you have got your subject is homelessness, it will go around the world to anyone that does put in homelessness into that search engine. If you are going with an offer of help homeless people for every pound you give, you will give you know, a person in this city, a meal for the night, that's going viral. That, that, that takes it on a much wider scale. So I do see, I'm not advocating TikTok in any way, but I do see that it is a vehicle that could come very useful in the future with regards to third sector fundraising. A thing that, that is, is coming up for me a lot when I'm um, talking to charities, uh, I do sometimes think, or, or even tell charities, you need to have a look at how a, another person is going to see this because like it or not you are a persona on on the internet because they, they haven't seen the organizers or the volunteers in person they're only seeing your website they're only seeing your instagram or or, or how how good you are at at making a video and sadly right now it's it's how good you are at making a video or you know content on the subject of video, I think that's really interesting because we don't have to make re- these really long videos. I I attended a conference a couple of weeks ago, whereas I think, please don't uh, chase me down if I've got these figures wrong, but I think we now look, when we first see a video, at how long that video is. And if it's over 60 seconds long, 
we've lost half the audience within 10 seconds. And if it's 30 seconds long, we've lost like half the audience within 15 seconds. So the optimum time for making a video at this moment is about 10 seconds long. And it's going quite sad. It's like we've got an attention span of a fish at the moment, but that's the way it is. But we need to do something to quickly grab people's attention. But sometimes people just need to walk through. Imagine if you're a person who's worried about going to a service for the first time, a food bank for the first time, whereas no one has to be talking on that video. You could basically go in, just take someone through a walkthrough experience of what the experience is like. And I think there's things like that can help. There's lots of videos going around at the moment as well on TikTok uh, and on the other social media channels about how people can save money by little tips for the cost of living crisis. And also I've seen... Big organisations like RNLI, police forces, etc. I think the whole thing about TikTok originally was this whole dance craze, but I think it's been used for much more serious things now. And uh, what I find is that people do really attract to behind the scenes videos when they come to different social media experiences, especially from a third sector. So you don't actually have to be standing there telling people. That's the thing I think scares everyone, that they have to stand in front of a camera and do a speech. It just shows people the experience and that could be enough. There are ways and means and there's lots of technology out there at the moment where, you know, even on TikTok, you can... You can type in what you wanted to say and it'll do the speech for you. So, you know, I think technology is getting, is in an amazing place. And it's, it's every day I'm amazed by something new that comes out, which actually can help us, even if we don't want to do it. There's also packages like Lumen 5, which are free where you can make short videos. Um, absolutely fantastic. Click pay post. You don't have to be in front of that camera, but video, I believe, is going to be the way forward. And I think we all need to kind of get on board because it is the thing that grabs attention. Another statistic, and please don't shoot me down, but I read it somewhere, was that we only retain 10% of the stuff we read, but we retain 90% of the videos that we watch. So this is what we need to do if we are promoting ourselves and our cause through digital platforms as a third sector. We need to be there in the minds of people. And so I think video is something that we like whether we like it or not is something that we will need to embrace in the future going forward and i think that something very interesting about videos and and kind of creating a persona online um is that going back to your research questions is there's a lot of stories there and there's a lot of realizations and truths that are being found out in these charities in these organizations and even making a quick video talking about a subject that's come up recently and you think that really needs to be heard just put it on a video put it on your social media just needs to be a quick snappy video it is and i think it's the it is the most powerful thing you can do i think number one to feedback to your funders if you are funding to uh, inform people of the good work you do but you know, numbers, quantitative things can only say so much. And they don't really, you know, you can see an impressive number, but there's nothing that actually captures your imagination, your interest and something emotive. So I, I think there's two things you can use that for is number one is your reporting back to show the impact that your organization is making. 
but it's also part of, with their permission, of course, your promotion material, because that's the thing which is going to make people stand up, make you stand out of the crowd to be able to, to get noticed so that people start to support your cause. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, so uh, we've talked about so many interesting things. There's so much more that I'd, but I don't want to bore our listeners for just me going on a tangent of what I'm interested in. I think we've talked a little bit about the the future of fundraising, but with your expertise in in digital technology um, and what you've seen so far, what do you see the Welsh third sector looking like in the next 10 years? I would like to see the Welsh third sector less dependent on grants and more entrepreneurial, if you like, using the strengths and assets that they've got, maximising them to create more new innovative ways of generating income. I'd like to see more mixed uh, mixed ways that they could access income, whether that be having there's inevitably that I'm not I'm not completely disregarding grants. You need those to pump prime ideas, but they're not the answer to sustainability. So they are there is a place and they definitely are needed, but they're not the answer to be sustainable. But we need those then to help us fight other ways such as income generations, using and maximizing the skills that we've got in-house, using things as digital platforms, etc. I would also like to see with that, we grow more consciously in how we use digital technology. I think at the moment, from the survey results, when people think of digital in Wales, they think of social media, but they are thinking less about cybersecurity and using data and data compliance. So I think we need to tackle those foundations first so they are really strong before we go forward. I think they, a lot of these organisations have just got caught up in the fad of social media, but also we were kind of enforced into it with the pandemic that we had to switch our engagement overnight into a digital format. But we also need to be mindful that we need to be safe, secure, and we need to be recording that data as well for safety purposes. One thing I'm really thankful for is that we have got partners in in the likes of Givy, in likes of Charity Digital, SCVO, NCVO, etc., Catalyst, which can have trod those waters before us, if you like, and can kind of help us on our journey so that we're aware of there's no need for us to make mistakes on our journey forward. We we can learn from people which have already kind of gone through them. So I'm hoping that we will have a nice, smooth transition to a more digital culture. And just to to end, I thought it'd be a nice question to ask. If you would go back and give yourself one piece of advice when you were just starting out in your career, what would it be? Invest in Google. No, I'm money joking. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, I would take notice of digital i would take notice really saying that uh, i i've got a little story for you as a community worker i did not like digital i hated it i hated facebook i hated everything about it i thought what i was doing had no involvement no need for digital whatsoever and then one day i was asked to do some a survey of a hundred people and I spent two weeks with pieces of paper serving, surveying these hundred people. And with one week left of my deadline, I still only had 14 people. And 
I was thinking, how am I going to do this? And I'd just been reading into, you know, off the off chats. I'd just come back from holiday and I read this magazine about social media and different apps, etc. And I thought, I'm going to give this a punt. So I put my 10 questions on SurveyMonkey for free. I then got those questions and I put it on the company's Facebook account for free. Then I did pay-per-click for £8. £8 to reach everyone in that community in a two-mile radius over the next 48 hours. And overnight, 87 people completed that survey. Now, what I'd spent two weeks doing, walking around the street, cut down the equivalent of a tree in paper, trying to get all these people, I just managed to do in eight minutes, basically. And then I'd set myself aside a whole day of doing an analysis, and I pressed the button, and it analysed it for me as well. And then... That was my epiphany moment. It was basically when I realized, wait a minute, this has got a place. I've just wasted basically the equivalent of three or four weeks walking around the community, whereas I could have done this on this computer here and would have got all my answers and analyzed for me. So since that date, I've kind of been interested in the digital community and I've been posting tips on my social media platforms ever since as well, because I, I want someone to go through that experience that, you find that one app or that one piece of technology which makes a massive difference. I always say that it can either save you time or save you money. You know, it's, it's there for a reason. People are continually inventing these things on a day-to-day basis to make lives easier for us. It's there and we can use it in the third sector as long as we consider it in our context. And then on top of that, it's also, it's a double answer to be honest, sorry, it's to look at models from business and apply it to us. I, I deliver a training session on social media. It's called digital marketing if I'm delivering it to private companies and it's called social media for communities if I'm delivering it to a community sector, but it's exactly the same thing. There's no difference. So there's nothing stopping community groups accessing these digital marketing because digital marketing is digital community engagement. It's the same thing, it's just called differently. So I would also, I think we as third sector organizations need to learn more and integrate more with the business community. And I guess part of your story is don't be afraid to try it out because you know that, that survey couldn't have gotten any answers, but it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, sometimes it is a lot of these things with, with communities is confidence. Two things in, in our survey with NEWID, we found that the two things which are holding people back are confidence or time. I think digital can help with that, but they need, you need to find the time to be able to understand that, which is a bit of a vicious circle, if you like, but have the confidence to even try these things. A lot of these things are free. So you don't have to invest money and thousands of pounds in anything. A lot of these apps which are out there, they're free. Social media is free to a point, and I will say that, but, you know, play with it, basically. Have a go. Try it. What's the worst that can happen? You're not going to break the internet. I'll tell you that right now, okay? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to the Giving Community. Uh, I've I've had a very interesting time. Yeah, you've made me think about a lot. Thank you. Thank you for... Um inviting me and uh, hope everything goes well for all the organizations listening.